Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. I told you to go to Job 1, right? Um, Today, I just, the more I prayed about it, I kept feeling the leading of the Lord to minister along these lines. And um, what we're going to minister along the lines of is this, Israel versus the world, a spiritual conflict, a spiritual conflict, Israel versus the world, a spiritual conflict. Um, here a couple weeks ago, I, I was, uh, re- recording, uh, some Arkansas live programs with pastor and we were speaking about some of this and, and I'd been, I'd been looking at this about the spiritual conflict and, um, we have to understand something that the devil hates God. All right. The devil hates the church. And the devil hates Israel. All right? There are, th- there, are, there, there are two primary entities in the Bible that, or I say two primary, there are two entities in the Bible that God has a covenant with, and it's a forever covenant. Seven times God calls the covenant his covenant. His covenant. When God appeared to Abraham, God initiated the covenant. Abraham did not initiate it. Abraham did not go to God. God came to Abraham. And seven times he told Abraham, this is my covenant. In the book of Psalm chapter 89, he said, my covenant I will not break and I won't alter the thing that's gone out of my lips. All right. And the two entities that you see in the word that God has a covenant with are number one, the Jewish people, which are his people after the flesh, his covenant people after the flesh. He has an eternal everlasting covenant with them that cannot be broken, cannot be broken. And it cannot be broken because it's God's covenant with them. It's not their covenant with God. It's God's covenant with them. So the the covenant and the the provisions of the covenant are therefore dependent upon God and not the people. Are you following me? The second group that God has an eternal everlasting covenant with is the church. Every believer has an eternal everlasting covenant with God because By virtue of being the seed of Christ, who is the seed of Abraham, we were brought into that covenant. Amen. So the devil hates God. He hates the church, and he hates Israel. The devil's ultimate desire is to discredit God and his word. That's his ultimate desire. Everything the devil does, every attack you've ever experienced in your life as a believer was an attempt of the devil to discredit God's word, to make you believe that God's word didn't work, to get you mad at God. Amen. I know people right now that are mad at God, and God didn't do it. Right? The devil did it. God didn't do it. But God got the credit for what the devil did. Are you, are you following me? 
what was the purpose of the enemy? When, listen, when the enemy attacks your body with sickness, and it is the enemy that attacks your body with sickness, when he attacks your body with sickness, what is he trying to do? Discredit the fact that the Bible says God's your healer. Right? But if you, won't, if you won't allow him to discredit that, and you'll stand in faith on the Word, God's Word always works. And you always end up healed. Is that right? But he wants to discredit God and his word. Now, to do that, he has to fight the manifestations of the promises of God in the personal lives of his people and of the nations. He's got to, he's got to fight the manifestation of the promise. If you're standing in faith and believing and there's resistance, understand the resistance is the devil. And he's fighting the manifestation of God's promise. Why? To try to discredit God. Amen. Look, look, look here at Job chapter 1. And we're not going to spend a lot of time in Job chapter 1, but I will give you a little disclaimer. If I don't get past the introduction, just bear with me. We, we'll be back. <laughs> I will. Job chapter 1. Verse 6, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them, the accuser. All right, it's important that you translate and meditate the adversary, the accuser. All right, when the Bible uses the word Satan, it always means the adversary. All right, his very name tells you that he's adverse to the things of God. He showed up with the sons of God, but he's adverse to God. All right? Amen. And people, and there's great theological discussion. Well, what's it mean, the sons of God? Angels is what it means. Lucifer showed up among them. The Satan showed up among them. Well, why would he do that? How did he do that? Well, I mean, just imagine his personality. Wouldn't he like to show up and crash a party? He's the adversary. Don't overthink the Bible. What it says, it says. It plainly says it. Just leave it at that. The Bible will interpret itself. Amen. But notice, and the Lord said to Satan, where'd you come from? Now, he knew, but he answers him and said, from going to and fro on the earth, walking up and down in it, roaming about like a roaring lion, seeking whom I may devour. That's what Peter said. And the Lord said to Satan, have you can, now remember, who's he saying this to? The adversary. Have you considered my servant Job? King James says, have you considered my servant Job? The, the, the more literal re Hebrew rendering says, why are you considering my servant Job? Or have you set your heart on Job? All right? So it's not like God saying, oh, you, you haven't seen Job, right? Have you seen Job? Let me tell you about Job. No, he's saying, I see that you are looking at Job, and I want to know why. Is that right? There's none like him in the earth. A perfect man, upright, one that fears God and avoids evil or eschews evil. Satan answered and said, does, God, does Job fear God for nothing? Now, that doth Job fear God for nothing. In other words, he's saying Job fears you for nothing. And then he says, why? You made a hedge about him. Now, here's something to, to get from the very beginning. Who made the hedge? Who did? God, who did? 
So God puts himself in the beginning as the protector. I'm the protector of my home naturally. I would never harm my home. I would never harm anybody in my home. I'm the natural hedge. So if my family is harmed, I didn't do it. You follow me? Put forth your hand and touch all he has and he'll curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, all that he has is in your power. Now that's a statement. Evidently it was already done. All that he has is in your power. Notice, only upon himself do not put forth your hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. Now notice, right away, you're going to notice something, that Satan is attempting to prove God wrong. Because God said he's an upright man that fears God and avoids evil. And Satan said, well, I can show you you're wrong. Just let me touch his stuff. Is that right? So where's the battle? Job is not the issue. Do you hear what I'm saying? Job is not the issue. Listen, the devil hates everybody. He didn't pick Job out just because he so much hated Job. It was God. I want to prove to you that you're wrong. All right? But notice. So this is when his crop or his uh, 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 herds were driven off. His children died. Verse 20. Then Job arose and rent his mantle, shaved his head, fell down on the ground, and worshipped. And said, Naked came I into the world. Out of my mother's womb, naked I'll return. The Lord gave, the Lord took away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now people say, well, why did he say that? Because he didn't know nothing about the devil. The, the only reference we have in the Old Testament to the devil is primarily in the book of Job. He didn't know about the devil. But notice he's worshiping God. What's his worship? I came into the world with nothing. I'll leave with nothing. Blessed be the name of the Lord. God did not kill his children, drive off his flocks. He didn't do that. But Job didn't know what else to do. But notice what he did. In the, in the middle of all that, he says, Lord, blessed be your name. Do, do you understand? Notice verse 22. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God foolishly. Now, that's in the Bible. Oh, hallelujah. Now, now notice there's something else. Chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 3. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? Second time. There's none like him in the earth. Perfect, upright man. Fears God, eschews evil. And still he holds fast his integrity. Though you moved me against him, you tried to incite me to do something to him. Well, notice, you tried, but I didn't do it. Oh, hallelujah. You wanted me to destroy him without cause. Satan said, skin for skin, all that a man hath, he'll give for his life. Put forth your hand, touch his bone, his flesh, he'll curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, he's in your hand, save his life. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. Now, who went forth? The adversary. Who's he the adversary of? Number one, God. Number two, God's people. Is that right? 
and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot to his crown. He took a pot shirt to scrape himself, sat down in the ashes. His wife said to him, do you still retain your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said, you speak as one of the foolish women speak. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God and not receive evil? Or should we not accept calamity? Should we accept the good and not accept the calamity? Notice, in all this did not Job sin with his lips. Now this is important. Because yes, Job was wrong. He did not receive this from God. Right? He received it from the devil, but he didn't know about the devil. But notice, he wouldn't curse God. He, w- he, wouldn't, he wouldn't sin with his lips about God. Amen. It backfired because of Job's integrity. I won't do it. Job had questions, and in 42 chapters of Job's questioning, his question was never answered. To the satisfaction of people. But here's the thing. (laughs) Job refused to charge God foolishly. Job refused to accuse God with wrong. Now there are New Testament believers. Job didn't have a Bible. He didn't have a Ten Commandments. He didn't know anything about the Holy Ghost. He didn't know anything about the devil. And yet with all that lack of knowledge, he would not accuse God of doing wrong. I mean, he accused God, he, he accused God of allowing this to come on him, but he never accused God with being wrong because of it. And God finally had to show up and show him where you missed it. I know New Testament believers that something goes wrong, and immediately, well, why'd God forsake me? Why isn't God on my side? Why isn't God helping me? Have as much faith as Job. God didn't forsake you. God didn't let you down. God God didn't do it. The enemy is attacking you because he wants to try to prove to you that the word of God is wrong, that it's not right, that it's not infallible, that it's not truth. But when you stand up in faith and you say, no matter what I have to face, God is God, the word is true, and I won't be backed off of it. Amen. Amen. See, it wasn't about Job. He tried to destroy Job to prove God and his word wrong. The enemy tries to afflict believers to prove God's word wrong. Amen. This is so important. Because there are things going on in the world. If you don't understand this, then you can either buy into a wrong narrative or think it's not that big of a deal. Listen. The enemy tries to prove God wrong. The hatred of the Jews and the nation of Israel is satanically inspired. It's a spiritual conflict. It's not a natural conflict. Amen. The the world, politicians, political arenas... They try to make it about land. They, they try to make it about a two-state solution. All these different things. All right? They, they bring up all these statements. Israel is an apartheid government. The Palestinians are an oppressed people. And they, they bring all of this out. And here's the problem with that. None of it's right because none of it aligns itself with the Word of God. 
This is the problem. Look at Genesis 12. Oh, hallelujah. And I'm going to move as rapidly as I can. Genesis 12, 1. The Lord said to Abram, get out of your country, from your kindred, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I'll make of you a great nation, bless you, make your name great. You'll be a blessing. I'll bless them that curse you, curse him that curses you. And in you shall all families of the earth be blessed. So we see the calling of Abraham and the promises. I'll make you a great nation. I'll bless you. I'll make your name great. You'll be a blessing. I'll bless them that bless you, curse them that curse you. All families of the earth will be blessed in you. Amen. Now, Genesis 13 and verse 14. And the Lord said to Abram, after that lot was separated from him, lift up your eyes, look from the place where you are, north, south, east, and west. All the land that you see, I will give it to you and to your seed, notice, forever. Forever. Everybody say forever. So the land is given by God to Israel unconditionally and in perpetuity. Forever. Is that right? Now, God cannot lie. And so he gave it forever. It's forever. Do you see this? Now, notice, there's nothing similar in the entire world to the Jews' attachment to Israel. Nothing like it. And here's why. To them, the land represents the presence of God. If I have the land, I have God's presence. That's why even when they were in captivity, Babylonian captivity, when Daniel was in Persian captivity, remember when he got thrown in the lion's den? He got thrown in the lion's den because he opened his window towards Jerusalem and was worshiping God. That's what they did all through captivity was worship God. When Nehemiah found out that the walls of Jerusalem were broken down and the temple had been destroyed, he said, my eyes were filled with tears and I made myself sick with weeping. And when I stood before the king, he said, what's wrong with you? Why are you this way? He said, how can I be joyful when the walls of the city of God and the temple of God are destroyed and fallen down? It's, it's the presence of God to them. Amen. This is important. The conflict in the Middle East is stirred up by the devil attempting to prove that God's word's not true. Because you got to understand, if the nation of Israel ceases to exist, then everything in the Bible is a lie. Everything. Not just that part of it, everything. You can trust nothing. If God's word to the people of Israel is not sure and steadfast, God's word to me is not sure and steadfast. Oh, hallelujah. See, look, look at Genesis 15. There's a lot here. Verse 6. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. This is Abraham. And he said, I'm the Lord that brought you out of Ur of the Chaldees to give, this land, give you this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I will inherit it? Notice, give you the land as an inheritance. 
What land is that? The land that he told him to look to. North, south, east, and west. And he said, I've given it to your seed forever. And he said, here you're going to inherit it. In Genesis 17, verse 6. And I'll make you an exceeding fruitful. I'll make nations of you. Kings will come out of you. I will establish my covenant. There it is, see. Between me and you and your seed after you and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto you and your seed after you. And I will give unto you and to your seed after you the land wherein you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Notice these, these, these phrases. All the land for an everlasting possession. Amen. So what does that do? That makes it very clear that the land belongs to Israel forever. Belongs to them forever. Now, this is important. Notice this. Any attempt to attack Israel or make them give up the land is a slap in God's face. Because he said, I've given them this land forever. The devil's attempted over and over to destroy the Jewish people and the nation of Israel. Why? To prove that God's word isn't true. Amen. See, the Bible, we read earlier, he said, those that bless you, I'll bless, and those that curse you will be cursed. Amen. Hallelujah. But in the medieval world, Spain went into an economic and cultural decline after they expelled the Jews in 1492. It was called the Alhambra Decree. The Queen, the queen of Spain made that decree, kicked, told all the Jews they had to leave. It's what they called the Spanish Inquisition. Some 160,000 Jews were put out of Spain. Many of them died. All their financial holdings were taken. All their land was taken. And they, they were expelled from Spain. Spain went into economic and cultural decline after that. Their properties were confiscated. In, in the modern era, Germany, the country that tried to exterminate the Jews with the Holocaust, never again. That, that needs to be our declaration. Never again. Amen. Killed, killed over 6 million Jews. Killed 11 million people. That, you know, that boggles the mind. Think, think about this for a minute. 6 million Jews. That's six cities the size of Kansas City, Missouri, gone. 1.3 million people in Kansas City, Missouri. Six Kansas City, Missouri's exterminated. And the, and the devil floats this lie today that it didn't happen. And there are Christians that believe it. Well, it did. It happened. They then endured their own curse. Why? During World War II, approximately 7.5 million Germans were killed. Hmm. Germany was divided for 44 years. East and West. And after World War II, the Arab and fundamentalist Islamists rose up to curse the Jews, and they exist in a constant state of defeat today. Poverty. Amen. 
Now, this is important because you need to see this spiritual conflict. God has never broken his covenant with Israel, and he's not done blessing the world through them. Amen. Nations that have treated the Jews favorably, the United States being the most obvious example, have been blessed with prosperity and freedom. Why? Primarily because we bless the nation of Israel. Amen. Nearly 2,000 years ago, the enemies of Israel attempted to erase God's covenant relationship with Israel and the Jewish people. In two wars between the Jews and Rome, two wars occurred, AD 70, AD 135. They attempted to destroy the Jewish people. They destroyed the temple of God, exiled most of the Jewish people from Israel, and changed Israel's name to Palestine. And from that moment forward, the Roman Empire started going down, 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 down. They changed the name to Palestine. When they first took over the region, they took over, first of all, the, what, what they called the kingdom of Judah. All right? Then they gave that, that region the name Palestine, which is Hebrew or Greek for Philistine. And they called it the land of the Philistines. Well, the Philistines never occupied any of Israel. That's just the name they gave it. Somebody gave them that name. God calls it Israel. Amen. Glory to God. The name Israel then reflects the will of God. And the name Palestine reflects the will of man. God said it's Israel. Man said it's Palestine. Look at Ezekiel 37. I get concerned because I hear Christians, they'll say, oh, they just need to sort things out. You don't understand. There's a demonic force operating on one side. You, you can't bargain with a devil. Listen, when Yasser Arafat was the head of the PLO, of course, he's gone on to whatever reward or punishment that he's gone on to, but he was at Camp David with the Israeli prime minister, and they had, they had put forth their demands. He met with the Israeli prime minister. The Israeli prime minister said, we will, we will, we will, we will give you everything that you want. All your concessions, we'll meet them. Yasser Arafat stood up, pounded the table, and walked out and said, it's all or nothing. So they put forth these little concessions they wanted, but when they were granted, he said, no, it's all or nothing. I need you to understand something. There's a bunch of junk going on in the world today, and you got elementary school students marching down the hallways of their elementary school saying, from the river to the sea, Palestine shall be free. What, what, you know what that means? No Israel. Israel is exterminated. It's gone. That's what they're saying. We don't want there to be a state of Israel. 
It is the most anti-Semitic thing that anybody could ever utter out of their mouth. Amen. Because it's, it's not about land. It's about proving God wrong. It's about the devil proving God wrong. Amen. In, in Ezekiel 37, verse 11, he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Our bones are dried. Our hope is lost. We're cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus saith the Lord God, My people, I'll open your graves, cause you to come up out of your graves, and bring you into the land of Israel. Now, very often, that's, you know, we use that in preaching. I'm not saying we shouldn't about people's lives. And if you feel like there's dry bones, God's going to resurrect you. But he's talking about the nation of Israel, who at Ezekiel's time was largely in captivity. And he says, this is what the nation of, of, of Israel looks like. Dry bones. There's, there's no hope. But you tell them, I'm going to resurrect them, and I'm going to bring them back, notice, to the land of Israel, not Palestine. Israel. Amen. Huh. The nations of the world did not think that after 2,000 years of exiles, the Jews would one day inhabit their homeland again. But they're God's covenant people. And he promised to bring them back to their land. See, every time you think about that, we talk about the miracle of the Jews returned to their homeland and how the desert began to bloom and to blossom. Don't, don't, don't miss that miracle. If that can happen naturally for the nation of Israel, God can bring you back from any circumstance that you may have been facing. It can look like it's the end and there's no hope. God can bring you back to the land He promised you and your desert will bloom again. Glory to God. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? Glory to God. You know, I was, I was watching something the other day and, uh, uh, about this, this conflict. And, and it's, it's interesting how people will subtly try to change things. When, for instance, in the Six-Day War, Israel was attacked from three sides unprovokedly. Egypt, Syria, and, and one other people group attacked them. Israel, Israel, wiped out, Israel wiped out the Egyptian Air Force, took all, all their land back, and was, pu and was pushing north, was, was going to push Lebanon out of the picture. And because they had pressure from the United States and other governments, they stopped. But here's the thing. I was watching something the other day, and they said, and they, and they switched the narrative, and it was subtle. Well, you know, during the Six-Day War, Israel attacked these other nations. No, they didn't. See, you got to watch that. you got to watch that. It's those subtle things. And now there are things you know, but I need you to see the, the depravity. It is demonically inspired that you would put your terroristic organization's headquarters under an elementary school building. That's the devil. I said, that's the devil. And, and then you want to shoot thousands of rockets over into Israel, cause the death of 13, 14, 1,500 people, and then retreat to your tunnel underneath a hospital like a coward... 
and blame Israel for all the problems. And you got, you got, you got evidently brain-dead people that are actually protesting in the streets about how Israel is an apartheid government and they do everything they can to be a blessing that the Bible says they will be a blessing to everybody around them. Are you following me? It's an attempt of the enemy to prove God's word wrong. Oh, hallelujah. Do do you see this? And see, as a believer, you always come down on the side of the word. Always. This is important. I say this is important. Uh, Amos chapter 9. I'll tell you what, I thank God for my pastor for talking about it. Amen. Pastor in the state of Arkansas, still yet, talking about things other people won't talk about. Amen. Amos 9, verse 14. I'll bring again the captivity of my people Israel. They'll build the waste cities and inhabit them, plant vineyards, drink the wine thereof, They'll make gardens and eat the fruit of them, and I'll plant them upon their land, and they will no more be pulled up out of their land, which I have given them. Notice, their land. This is why I suppose two-state solution will never work. The land belongs to Israel forever. Well, don't people have a right to live their life? They do have a right to live their life in peace with Israel. That's the right you have. You don't have a right to live on land that isn't yours and cause a problem. It's not your land. Hallelujah. Yeah, but they were there before the state of Israel. But that does not take away the ownership that God gave the the Jews to the land. They were driven out of the land. I just told you, during the Diaspora, Rome destroyed Jerusalem, destroyed the temple of God, caused the Jews to to leave. Uh, Flavius Josephus, the Jewish historian, he says that during that time, over one million Jews were crucified in Jerusalem. The devil's been trying to exterminate the Jewish people since their inception. Amen. Amen. Everybody's got a right to live, but you don't have a right to live and and persecute the people of God in the land God gave them. Listen, we as Americans should understand that. We we live in a sovereign nation, a nation of freedom. And and I'm almost positive, almost anybody in here, if, if there was an attempt to, to overthrow our government and an attempt to do away with our freedoms, whatever you, firearm you have at your disposal, I'm quite sure that you would show up to try to put an end to it because this is the land. Watch. This is the land that I was born in. This is my land. Is that right? That's how Israel feels. This is our land. God gave it to us. Amen. This is important. 
And when you read in the Word as a believer, what you see in the Word trumps your political viewpoint. It trumps the viewpoint that you were brought up with. It it trumps your ethnic viewpoint. What's in the Word? What's in the Word? That trumps every other thing. Amen. The education system in our nation today, it's it's horribly anti-Israel. There's a horrible anti-Semitic bias. Amen. And it's been happening for three generations. And so you've got three generations now that want to talk about Israel having to give up the land. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem, not just because we'll prosper, but because Jerusalem must succeed and must stand because God's word says so. Am I helping you with this? Mm. There are two criteria by which any nation is judged. Number one, the way they treat the people of Israel. Number two, what they do about the land of Israel. I want you to show, some, show you something. Look at 1 Kings 9. I'm, I know I'm throwing a lot at you. First Kings 9 and 1. And it came to pass when Solomon had finished the building of the house of the Lord and the king's house, and all Solomon's desire that he pleased to do, the Lord appeared to Solomon the second time as he appeared to him in Gibeon, And the Lord said unto him, I've heard your prayer, your supplication you've made before me. I've hallowed this house which you have built to put my name there forever. And my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. Notice, he said, my name is there forever. And my eyes and my heart will be on that spot perpetually. Amen. Look at 1 Kings 11 and verse 36. And unto his son, this is the Lord speaking, unto his son will I give one tribe, that David my servant may have a light always before me in Jerusalem. Watch, the city that I have chosen, I have chosen me to put my name there. God has put his name on Jerusalem. It's an eternal city. It'll never cease to exist. It'll be there through the millennial reign of Christ, and it will be after the millennial reign of Christ. It'll be for eternity. That city, that physical city will be there with the throne of David in the middle of it because God promised. It's an eternal city. Oh, hallelujah. God appeared to Abraham three different times. And you can write these verses down because I don't want to take the time. We've only got about 15 minutes. He appeared to him, first of all, in Shechem. Shechem, that's in Genesis 12, 6 through 8. The Bible says he appeared to him in Shechem, and he built an altar there. Shechem today is modern-day Nablus, which was a stronghold for the PLO. He appeared to him, secondly, in Hebron, H-E-B-R-O-N, Hebron, Genesis 13, 14 through 18. Today, Hebron is largely populated by Arabs. That's where Abraham Sarah, Rebecca, Jacob, and Rachel are all buried, is in Hebron. Then the third time is he appeared to him in Mount Moriah. 
Genesis 22, 1 and 2, and then 15 through 18. Of course, that's when, that's when he took Isaac to Mount Moriah and, and put him on the altar, and God made another promise to him about the land being his forever on Mount Moriah. Here's the point I want to get you to. If you take the three altars where God appeared to Abraham and you lay a 21st century map over the map of Israel, you'll find something, that all three of these places are in the West Bank. Why is that important? That's the place the world says belongs to the Palestinians and should be their homeland. But yet God told Abraham all three of those times in what the modern world calls the West Bank, this land is yours and your seeds forever. It's important. Why? Because it's a spiritual conflict. It's trying to show that God's word isn't right, that God lied, that he can't do what he promised. Amen. In August of 2005, Israeli Prime Minister Sharon, Ariel Sharon, at the prompting of the United States, began removing Israeli settlements in Gaza. Now, here's the thing. Where's the problem today? There was no problem in Gaza while the Jews had Gaza. But the U.S. and other countries kept putting the pressure on them to, to, to move out of Gaza, move out of that area, parts of the West Bank. The United States provided $50 million to the Palestinians for new housing and infrastructure projects in Gaza, the bulk of which went into the hands and the pockets of Hamas. Hallelujah. You know, the aid, everybody said, uh, pull back, don't, pull your, pull your forces back. Let us get humanitarian aid in. The humanitarian aid trucks went in and was immediately confiscated by Hamas. And the world stands around with its finger in its ear talking about ceasefire. You can't have a ceasefire with somebody that wants to destroy you. We, we got to understand that. Israel is surrounded by her enemies. A strip of land, not as big as New Jersey. And if you've ever been to the East Coast, New Jersey's not very big. It's populated with 9 million Jewish residents. Every side, north, east, west, it's surrounded by its enemies. Every Jewish house is built with a bomb shelter in it. A safe room. They live their lives under the threat of being bombarded, being attacked, missiles being fired on them. Every day of their life, they live that way. Every Jewish boy, girl, every child, when they reach the age they get out of school, they are in the army until they are 45 years of age. That's why they can muster an army of over 300,000 men and women because everybody is in the army until they're 45 years of age. Why? They are the only democracy in the Middle East. They are surrounded by their enemies. And there is, listen, their only way of defending themselves is to totally obliterate and bring to nothing the enemy that's trying to destroy them. It's the only hope they have. 
you can't have a ceasefire with somebody that don't want a ceasefire. They don't want a ceasefire. They want Israel to quit so they can keep doing what they're doing. Now, I know that sounds elementary, but it's a spiritual conflict. You have to be demonically inspired to take an over 90-year-old Holocaust survivor in her wheelchair and kidnap her for no other reason than you hate Israel. Amen. You have to be demonically inspired to behead 45 babies just because they're Israeli babies. Hallelujah. You have to be demonically inspired to rape and pillage just because they're Israelis. There were young daughters, young girls raped in front of their parents just because they're Jews. Where's the outrage? It's a spiritual conflict. It's, it's the devil trying to humiliate and bring to the knee, their knees the people of God. Well, I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to say it again before I'm done. They don't know who they're messing with. Because they're, they're not just messing with a, a people group. They're messing with the covenant God that said, I will be a God to you, and I'll bless them that bless you, and I'll curse them that curse you. And the same God that came in a night and destroyed 185,000 enemy troops is still the God that can do it. And don't you be surprised when Hamas comes to nothing. Their memory will be erased from the annals of history. Because they, 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 God's, they're not going to be left standing. Oh, hallelujah. Well, also in 2005, August 29th, Hurricane Katrina hit Louisiana. Mississippi, Alabama, devastated New Orleans. It's been called the largest natural disaster in, human his, in U.S. history. 9,000 Israelis were evicted by their government. It was called the worst abandonment of Jews in history and the largest forced evacuation in Israel's history. 9,000 Jewish families that lived in the Gaza Strip were forcibly evacuated from their homes, made to give up their home, made to give up their land, and that land was given to people that are the enemies of Israel. Hallelujah. Every time pressure is put on Israel to give land to the Palestinians, we're throwing our opinion in God's face. God said the land belonged to Abraham's seed forever. Hallelujah. In 1991, George H.W. Bush had the highest approval rating of any president. Remember, we'd just come out of what, what, what then was Desert Storm. Right? He had, he had routed the thousand-year army of Saddam Hussein. Right? Highest popularity of any president. Bill Clinton was considered a joke. Now, if you voted for Mr. Clinton, I'm not mad at you, but I'm just saying. He, in, in, in the political realm, he was considered a joke. He, he, he was from, remember, he was from the state of Arkansas. He hadn't done that good of a job as governor. 
And people thought he don't have a chance. George Bush had a secretary of state that hated Israel named James Baker. And behind the scenes, James Baker was always pressuring Israel to give up their land. Always pressuring nations to give up their land. How does the president with the highest approval rating of any president ever to that point lose the election? Because God said, you be a friend to my people, I'll be a friend to you. You mean God caused him to lose the election? Listen, God doesn't get involved in elections like man does, but here's the point. Any blessing that could be on it was off of it because of the way they treated Israel. Oh, I'm helping you. Hallelujah. You know, days, just days before the Monica Lewinsky scandal broke with Bill Clinton, he snubbed the prime minister of Israel and refused to meet with him. Yeah, but you know, Pastor, what's done behind closed doors will come out. Well, sure it will, because you can't hide all your secrets. But here, here's the point. Here's the point. You, 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 you snub the people of Israel, and the blessings of God, the protection of God come off of your life. Every time people say we should give the Palestinians their homeland, where would it be? Over the altars Abraham built in response to the promise of God. Every time. The land they have is not all the land God promised them. The land they have is much larger in volume than what they have. But little by little, little by little, the world has pressured them to whittle off their land till they have what they have. Folks, listen to me. They're not giving up anymore. I said, they're not giving up anymore. And we need to quit looking at Israel as a little sister in the Middle East that the United States, big brother, can just tell what to do. And we need to understand that Israel does not need the United States. The United States needs Israel. Hallelujah. Hamas, Hezbollah, Syria, Iran, Lebanon, they have no idea who they're dealing with. No idea. They think they're just dealing with Israel. They're dealing with God's covenant people, according to the flesh. And these are people that he's sworn to protect and to fight for. And he will. He will. Amen. There'll be no memory of them. Hallelujah. Everybody in here, we hate the loss of life, anybody's loss of life. But folks, you got to listen to me. You got to listen to me. The devil doesn't care about anybody. He so wants to prove God wrong and to prove his word wrong. He will sacrifice anybody or anything to get his way. Amen. And, and that's why I'm, I'm going I'm to start wrapping this up because I got three minutes. That's why, you know, we got elections coming up. Amen. I'm not going to tell you to vote Republican or Democrat. You know what? You know how I teach on this. You, you got to vote according to the word. What does the platform say? 
If they stand for Israel and they stand for life, they're worthy to be voted for. If they don't stand for Israel and they don't vote for life, you cannot. Now, listen, you can as a, as a person, but you cannot as a believer who says you believe God's word. With good conscience, put your vote to that person and they violate what the scripture says. Cannot. You cannot. A reprieve, I believe, has been given to our nation. And I believe that reprieve was given because we stood for Israel. Now, if our president won't talk out of both sides of his mouth, I believe things will go well. I know what the Lord has said through very many trusted sources about the year 2024 that's, that's, coming, that's coming up. I was listening to Brother Jerry speak yesterday about uh, uh, the word that the Lord gave him for 2024. It's, it's wonderful. There's going to be ups and downs. You're, you're going to have to exercise your faith in 2024. But I, I listen, I believe the worst of it has been avoided. Now, if you don't, that's fine. You, you can believe different. It doesn't matter. But here's the point. Hallelujah. They're dealing with Israel's covenant partner. And they've reached, there's, they've reached a point that there's no return. Don't, the attack that you may be facing, that you have faced, the things that have come against you, that's the devil trying to prove that God's word's wrong. But here you sat, proving that God's word's true. Amen. Hallelujah. The Lord is good. We've got to keep our spiritual perception sharp. Folks, we're reaching, we're reaching a point, and, and we've been there. You, you can't let your faith get in neutral. Every day is a faith day. And, and we're not just talking about faith for things. I'm, I'm talking about your faith every day out there working for you. Because we, we've reached that season. Amen. But the Lord's going to help us. Don't you believe that? And we'll see the salvation of the Lord. Amen. So, Father, as we prepare to close this service today, Lord, we just, we pray, Lord, in accordance with your word for your people, your people according to the flesh in the nation of Israel throughout the world, and Father, we just pray in the name of Jesus, number one, as you said in the book of Romans, that their eyes would be enlightened and that Israel would be saved. Father, secondly, we pray for their protection, their protection from their enemies, their protection from those that would unjustly and unprovokedly attack them. Father, we pray that they would have the wisdom, the knowledge, the understanding to root out and to destroy those enemies. And that there would be a preservation of your people. And we thank you that in so doing, the plots, the plans of the enemy would be brought to nothing. And he would once again be proven to be nothing but a liar. 
And so we thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. With your head bowed, with your heads bowed today, if you're here today and you say, Pastor.